Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice. Why do we have to pause there? And you know what? Chris and I, we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. You always provide color commentary anytime I do something fun. I can never do something fun without disrupting the flow of our show. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. I like how we still got the, like the intro in in the midst of all of the chatter between it. That was fun. So I have a question for you, Matt. Yes, I listened to the song, Chris. Oh my Come gosh. on. What was your, what this is the question. What was your favorite toy that you had as a child? Oh, what age? I don't know, your top favorite like as a child. Okay, so I spent a ton of time on a piece of plywood in what would have been our dining room with mini micro machines. I had like probably thousands of them. I don't I, I think I might still have a big old box of them. But time yeah. out, time out. Micro machines or mini micro machines? Is there a difference? I, I think what you're trying to say is it's just, just micro machines. Okay, cool. Because I think they did release a set that was smaller and they were micro micro machines. Um, or mini micro? Okay, let, let, let's see this. I'll finish this sentence. If it doesn't say micro machines. Oh my gosh, I don't know it. At the end of every commercial, know, that guy that talked way too fast, he goes, if it doesn't say Micro Machines, it's not the real thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Micro Machines on a piece of plywood. The, I assume that you had roads and stuff on oh, the yeah, plywood. Oh, yeah, we had, we had like all the different like sets all connected, and yeah, it, it was, yeah, that was my thing. Good. Yeah, How about Micro you? Machines were a blast. For me, I don't know if you'll remember this. I know that hardly any of our listeners will because it's such an obscure toy, but I yearned for at about age seven or eight years old, a humongous stuffed animal called My Pet Monster. I did not have a My Pet Monster. They made a cartoon out of it and everything. And so My Pet Monster was, I mean, it was like the size of a, a, a an actual pillow. It was a good size thing. But it came with these handcuffs on the monster because it was a monster. But they could break. like, and They were Velcro handcuffs, so you could put them on yourself and break free. Uh, of the handcuffs and uh, my parents they moved uh, a number of years ago and found it and sent it to me so I had wow. my pet monster it it since made it uh, did not survive a purge uh, and uh, is at uh, at a donation center somewhere making some other kid happy but uh, but like it came with the handcuffs as well and I showed my kids I was like put the handcuffs on now break free it was awesome yeah so that was my favorite toy as a kid yeah that's fun so one of the things you did um, for me or to me like in preparation of this, uh, show was to have me listen to a song. I, I don't think I'd ever heard the song before, um, but it's it, what's it called? Old Friends by Ben Rector? Yes. Yeah, today, just for listeners, we're looking back and talking about how we can move forward by looking back. Nostalgia. So I, I, as I'm listening to this song, I'm, of course, like I'm, I'm back in high school and I'm thinking about all of my friends, like like in the parents' back porches I sat on, like all of the friends, girlfriends that I know, like all of this stuff, everything that I know about my friends and the life of my friends. And it's like, it's definitely like a trip down memory lane. So it definitely got me in the mood for today's show. So good job. 
If, if you haven't listened to the song yet or heard of the song, Ben Rector is an amazing artist, piano-driven pop music. Um, but uh, it's called Old Friends by Ben Rector. Just pause and, uh, and and hit the YouTube or something like that and just listen to it, and it'll help you really dive into what we're talking about today. So, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Can you, like he says in the song, can you say your best friend's phone number uh, right now? Actually, no. Like, And that goes back to like the whole mini micro machines thing you asked me earlier. My memory is is toast. Like, My memory okay. is crap. <laughs> some of that is because of like some nostalgic things that came up in the song that Ben Rector talked about. But uh but yeah, no, so I, my memory is crap. I can't remember anybody's phone number, not even like my own phone number from back then. And you actually did used to know your phone number. <laughs> right, yeah, there's like three phone numbers that the average person knows. It's their own cell phone, it's their home phone, and it's the phone number of their best friend. And yep. all the Gen Xers can only remember three phone numbers, and two of them don't even exist anymore, and the yeah. other one is their phone. Maybe their work phone as well, maybe a fourth one. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, so keep keep going. The so, song kind of brought you in so the zone. This, uh, like, in, in, like you had prepped me a little bit with regards to what we're talking about here, like how, how how we use nostalgia, you know, in the church or in ministry and stuff like that. And so it got me really thinking, like as I was listening to that, that like, there were there were a lot of things in my my youth or in my high school that like I, I I've grown out of. I have changed and not that I wish I like I I forgot or that weren't a part of my life um but that are things that I that are not good you know and so they're like nostalgic things you know from my past that are not good that that I wouldn't want to bring into ministry or whatever and I know that's not what you're asking but um one of the topics like the the thing we're talking about is is how's to how to use nostalgia in ministry, right, Chris? That's one of the things you want to dive into. Yeah, how it can and be so, a vehicle or an asset in ministry, correct? Um, like I, when we do that, we need to be careful because I, I think you know because there are going to be some negative memories that people have of the church, and if we start to try to like try to awaken that imagination and have them think back to when they were a kid, um, and I mean, some of their thoughts are like I don't know negative or they don't like they had a bad experience or it was just boring as all get out. Like, like I remember the smells. Yeah, that was neat. But I remember being bored way more than anything else. You know, um, I don't know. Like, that's just like, was my thought like around this. Like, I think there are, you know, that, that, that's and, good. And yeah. I've heard, I've heard some criticism of more contemporary masses, especially when I was uh, a teenager um, in kind of the late nineties, early two thousands where people would say, you know, we have to be careful in our youth ministry program because if we're having a youth mass, um, which again, the liturgy is open to all, and so calling something a youth mass is more like a youth focus mass or a more contemporary mass, that when they get to college, they're going to find themselves actually being more comfortable in places that are playing those more contemporary worship songs. And the Catholic churches typically don't offer that, right? And so they said we have to be careful to make sure that we we stay true to some of the more traditional liturgical pieces because that'll be more uniform across the different uh, parishes that they these students are going to eventually go to. And if they're yearning for nostalgia, because you, nostalgia is a powerful thing, that they might find themselves actually more comfortable in a Protestant setting because that is where they hear some of the worship songs that they kind of had a coming of age moment during their youth group years, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, are we in regards to doing youth focused liturgies or contemporary worship during liturgies actually fostering um, an exodus? And so I, so I hear what you're saying. There's, there, there's a variety of pieces, right? A variety, you know, Oh yeah. 
Thanksgiving is coming. This is when my uncle always used to, you know, drink too much or whatever it is, <laughs> right? So there, there can be definitely some pieces. But I think there's also a, a powerful nostalgic piece, right? So nostalgia isn't just like a time and a place like, oh, remember Micro Machines so were, were awesome. Because you didn't just talk about Micro Machines. You talked about spending time on the floor with your brother. And, uh, and, and so it's actually nostalgia is a yearning for our past self. Yep. And yep. I think oftentimes those fallen away Catholics or the lost and the lonely who had roots in the faith growing up can actually find a positive anchor of like there was stability in my life then, there was family in my life then, there was love in my life then. And as ministry leaders, because I think you bring up a good point, people sometimes can be bored to death. I don't think people remember boredom as much as they remember the peaks, um, but we want to we wanna remember like my daughter's volleyball season was outstanding. But the biggest memory was when the coach on the other team called a timeout to yell at the girls, uh, the other team, and like the whole gym fell silent. And so that was a high point, which was a low point, and it was memorable, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. kind of like a core memory. And we have some of those, and we want to make sure that we as ministry leaders create core memories that are um, that are positive. Yeah, it's, it, so it's like the peaks and the valleys, you know, and that's right. typically what you remember, the higher, higher and the low points. Um and yeah, so what kind of high points are we creating as ministry leaders to provide for that future sentimentality? Is that kind of one of the thoughts around this too? Is Yeah, so so one piece, because ministry can be frustrating, like so frustrating. And we just keep pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and it seems like nothing gets received. And and so I've shared this maybe even on the show before, but certainly with some of my volunteers, this like our my hope is that if they don't receive it now that when they're when they're 37 years old staring down the papers of their second divorce with a half empty bottle of Jack Daniel sitting next to them that they'll think to themselves when was the last time that I was truly loved and they'll remember their experience in your ministry yeah like that they'll remember you as a small group leader loving on them loving them through whatever changes they were going through then and that'll ultimately serve as a beacon to draw them back home and so nostalgia can play as a part of that beacon to draw them back home if done correctly yeah, and this is—is um, is it the book moments making me think about moments? You know, yeah, that, the that power book, of moments. The yeah. power of moments. You know, and what are we doing to create moments like that? This even like one of the the principles behind a like a, there's a book. Oh man, forming the modern day saint or modern day saint, something like that. Um, it's about you know how a dad can raise boys and what they should be doing throughout the whole process of. Um, formation and puberty and helping them understand what manhood is and when do I become a man and stuff like that and creating moments so that like they know, okay, this moment happened. I am at this stage of my formation or I'm at this stage or whatever. And so creating those moments, um, like it can't just be the same thing week in and week out. You've got to do something that is spectacular. Um, or something that is meaningful. It can either it can either be like a large group, like a, a big thing, or it can be like meaningful specifically for that person. What are you saying? No. I, well, I would say that's not necessarily true. Like in in my family, um, we always had dinner Christmas Eve, and my mom would make stew, and she'd have to make a separate pot of oyster oyster stew. I almost said oyster pudding. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> of like oyster stew uh, or oyster soup. 
because my dad had that every Christmas Eve growing up, so it didn't feel like Christmas if that tradition wasn't present. And so there is some traditional or pattern natures, you know, and so if you're, if you grew up in a church with, that did incense at every Mass, and then you go to a Mass that doesn't have incense, um, you're like, huh, something didn't feel right. And then you go to a Mass that does have incense, and you're drawn back to kind of that childhood or that 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 experience that you had um, at that place. Sure, and I guess like what I'm saying is not necessarily those things that like trigger the the senses. I don't know. Like I'm imagining a youth group where you come in, you you eat some pizza, you play a game, you listen to a talk, you go to small groups, you leave. Like, and you do that every single week. You know, it, like it's going to be forgettable. You know, and there's nothing. There's no a high. There's no nothing that makes any night stand out from another night, and that's all you do all year long. There's a chance that that's forgettable, depending on how the small groups are done. With without a doubt, and and this is where that that same piece of plywood that you used for your micro machine kind of memory, like that that could be very forgettable because just moving cars around on a piece of plywood. But the thing is, is it was you and your brother building something together, creating something together. And I think that, that that is the piece that was like coming of age for you guys. And in the same sense, if we do have some staples in a pattern, I'm not saying that your ministry needs to change up and you like jump out from behind a different door each week to be like, this is a memorable moment. And you're like, this is a traumatic moment. So yes, you're right. Um, it's what happens along the way. Micro machines weren't your favorite toy. Spending time with your brother around micro machines was your favorite toy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I think that some of those staples that could be considered traditions that could be easily forgotten can also be the very uh, the very platform for which the very plywood by which um, some of these amazing memories are built that people can go back to. And it's like every time you're eating pizza, someone that that shared God's love sat next to you and said, "How was your week? I can't wait to hear. Like, tell me a new joke or whatever yeah. whatever it is that that connected you and that person who ultimately led you towards Christ." And so, so, so in, in those moments, the mundane, the regular, create the platform for those powerful moments, those highs, or unfortunately create the context for those lows as well. That big disappointment of like, I'll be at your game, I'll be at your game. And you look in the stands and that, that, that volunteer did not come to your game, but you built it up in those regular moments week after week after week. That's a low, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think you're right that there, um, the consistency of being there like I knew that no matter what happened throughout my week, that if I went to youth group, I saw, you know, Sally Joe, you know, whatever. And she was there to listen to me, you know, and she let me, you know, confide in her or whatever. Um, and so there was this consistency there. I don't know why I chose Sally Joe. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about the, uh, the opposite in Toy Story. What was the girl's name? The girl, cowgirl doll? I forget. Anyways, yeah, and she was there with her pigtails, and she had just she rode her horse right to the church, and <laughs> Sally Joe in her cowboy hat, yeah. Um, so yeah, that consistency like provides for that, but then also, um, like when tragedy happens, you know, if if the church isn't there, that's a negative, you know, or um, if tragedy is there and and someone you know from the the church is there, that's huge. And, like I felt loved when this happened. I had a teen just just to speak to that who uh, who had a friend that, that passed away as as like a fourteen year old. Mm -hmm. He went to the funeral and one of the songs they played at the funeral um, was uh, "Restless Love." That, that, I mean, a real popular worship song about five or six years ago. About reckless, and, reckless. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
reckless love. And when we when the worship team played that at our youth program, he would ask if he could go step out into the hallway because it was just too much. And that that's the power of nostalgia. It brought him back to kind of that powerful moment of being at her funeral. And as as time progressed, he eventually was able to enter into that song and kind of connect that song to where it's like now is a time that I can lift her up again to our Lord. And uh, and he was able to, you know, throughout the course of the semester, do that. He was able to enter into to that worship as opposed to almost be triggered by that worship. And I think that there's there's something about that, even those moments that might initially seem challenging. It's like, well, why why is this powerful moment being brought up in a in a in a godly context again and again? And how can we invite God into this moment? You know, um, so yeah. It, it, but it's interesting because some of the thickest nostalgia moments, right? We for Exodus ninety gave up secular music for uh, for the course of ninety days, which was an awesome, awesome exercise, awesome experience. But I started listening to the Counting Crows again. Whatever, if you don't know who they are, or if, whatever. Anyways, Counting Crows, I love them to bits. And the, their album August and Everything After I had on cassette, and I remember on road trips I would just play it until the batteries died face against the glass, staring out the window and watching the countryside roll by. And I came to know who I was at that season of my life as a young teenager by listening to that album in, in, the, in the silence of the car ride, you know. And, uh, and I listened to it again, and it brought me back. It brought me back. I could smell my, my van um, as a child, you know. And that's because that, that moment, that season where I just had my face against the glass during those long road trips was transformational in regards to me understanding who I was. And I think sometimes that those identity moments create very powerful nostalgic moments, whether that's a, a baptism, a confirmation, or a retreat. It's like, that's when I knew that I mattered. That's when I knew that I was worthy of God's love. And we as a church have to be willing to say that we are the platform to create those things, but we're also the landing pad when people come back around. And how do we welcome people when they're like, hey, do you have do you have a Curcio retreat, a chirp, an ax? Oh, no, we don't have those retreats. Then we can't stop there. We can say, but we have these different ways for you to get involved because it was the, the memory of the retreat that brought them back. But now what's going to take them forward is our ministry, the way that we welcome them, the way that we love them. Yeah. And it's interesting, though, like going back to something we said earlier with regards to the type of music and liturgy and stuff like that. Now, neither Chris nor I are liturgists, um, but and we I, I, I do know that there are some um, contemporary praise and worship songs that should not be said like sung at mass, period. Um, but like with regards to the nostalgia, you know, and it feeling like home, um, who are we making it feel like home to? Like, that's just kind of my question, you know, and um, because if it if it feels like home to a 90 year old Catholic, it's not going to feel like home to a 20 year old, you know, convert from Protestant. I mean, from evangelical Protestantism, Protestantism or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes. So so what do we do about that? Well, I'm, I'm hoping you could shine some light on there, Matt. <laughs> I mean, because that, that, that's a great question. What does what does nostalgia feel like? And I think this is a rabbit trail of like, is it okay for each liturgy to have its own distinct personality? Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe the 5 o'clock on Sunday evening brings a younger crowd. Maybe the 5 o'clock on Saturday evening brings an older crowd. Maybe the 7.30 a.m. brings a different demographic than the 11.30 a.m. I, I, I don't know what that is because I believe that the liturgy is at the service of the people because it's orientated towards the Lord, right? And so if we start switching that and asking, 
and making the liturgy orientated towards the people, that becomes very problematic. I think that's same, the same is true in regards to ministry, is ultimately when we serve people, we're lifting them up to the Lord. Um, and we're not necessarily just focused on the person. We're ultimately focused on bringing Christ to the person. Christ is at the center of, of all that we do. And, uh, and to cater towards anyone's individual needs, I think that we could find ourselves with a ska liturgy in certain parts of Southern California, even to this very day. That's a dangerous, <laughs> that's a dangerous place to, to go if we're trying just to cater to the whim, whims of the people. Yeah, having, like, I don't know if you've, uh, how recently you've read Divine Motivation, um, but I'm in the midst of it again. The idea of having different liturgies, um, not necessarily to cater to different people, but like there, there is no understanding that there's only one way to praise God, like musically, like that's the, like, this is the, the best way to praise God. And the only way to praise God is to use this music. Um, that's not true. Um, and so just because there are different types of music, I mean, if, if we say, okay, this is, this type of music is God's music, then we can't use any other music. Um, and that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, like for on multiple levels, so I, I I do think it's there are different ways to praise God, and if that's the focus, like we're going to praise God through contemporary music here, we're going to praise God through traditional like hymns here, we're going to praise God through Gregorian chant here. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and people choosing how they want to praise God that day, you know, like whether it's a, a certain type of music or whatever, that's perfectly fine. You know, I don't think I don't think that one of them is better than the other. Okay, just just to be clear though, I think that we can find ourselves having people um, start starting to bloom where they're not planted or seeking to 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 uproot themselves. And so, if you are like, I want a contemporary service, and my parish doesn't offer it, but the parish across town does, I'm going to drive over there. It's like, well, maybe God put you in the parish boundaries that you're at to help the community that you were like literally positioned in thrive or grow or whatever. So I I just don't want people to to hear that and be like, I'm looking just for my specific um, preferences when there's something deeper going on in the liturgy other than the music. Anything that is true, good, and beautiful can be orientated towards God. Well, and I mean, I I get it. Like, so one church that is, I mean, let's just say like that that's an argument for another church not to be evangelical, you know, or not to evangelize, not to go and make disciples. Well, the church across the street is not doing it, um, and this church is doing it, so they shouldn't do it. Um, that's at least what it sounds like to me, you know, because like no, they're, no, no, they're, no, they're no, not I... they're they're not making their service better. Like, and I get it. Like, like I want to go to the best service, and so then I choose the best service rather than making my parish better. That's a problem. Um, but that, like, I think that's used very often in the church to keep the church back. And that's fair. What I am worried about is because there have been some frustrations that my wife and I have processed with each other regarding some of the different restrictions and opening ups and things like that regarding this pandemic. And there have been a couple of times where we've voiced our uh, our concern in the kitchen and my kids heard it. And they're like, why are we even going to this church or why are we even digitally participating in this parish? And I'm like, whoa. We just in our in our conversation accidentally kind of shared with the kids to have a disposition of dissatisfaction instead of a disposition of I am going to lean into this even if it's not exactly what I want. Because maybe just maybe God showing up in the Eucharist is more important than my own desires and wants for the liturgy or, or things like that. That being said, I want you to go where you get fed 
And if your parish doesn't offer that, I want you to advocate first as a parishioner before you just go jump ship and drive 20 minutes further to the next Catholic parish. I guess that's kind of what I was saying is I think that God might have put you at your parish, even if you're dissatisfied, because you might not be the only one to help change that parish so that everyone's needs are being accommodated to the best of that parish's ability. Yeah, and I would say you're looking at a both and. Like if you need to go somewhere else to be fed, um, like also go to your parish. Um, maybe not two masses, but also work within your parish um, to make change. Does that make sense? This, yes, but this is totally a different topic. I think I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring <laughs> us back around because I could get fired up and we could spend the next 45 <laughs> minutes talking about it. Listen, a recent uh, a st- a series of studies by Wild Shut and colleagues in 2016 found that we naturally tend to reach for nostalgia when we feel negative affect. In other words, when we're specifically like lonely or different things like that. And so there's something amazing about most people who are fallen away Catholics. We're still reared through the church at some point. And so when they're feeling lost or hurt or lonely or hungers, whatever, like this whole podcast talks about kind of that reality of when you're feeling like that, sometimes looking backwards to the times where love was shared or where like the church is an answer, a nostalgic answer to some of those things, you know? Um, And in fact, most nostalgia actually improves the mood generation generates positive effect and, uh, and increases social bonds. And so it's like, if you ever have ever talked to someone and they're like, Oh, you're Catholic. Well, I grew up Catholic. They're not Catholic anymore. Why did they feel the need to share? Well, I grew up Catholic. It wasn't to be like I left, but it was actually say, we have something in common. We're improving a social bond here by them sharing that. It gives us permission to speak truth into their world as well and ask questions like what Matt would ask if he was just at a at a table. His wife gives him a hard time for this. Like he, he'll evangelize the person who comes to fill up his water at the uh, at the restaurant, and uh, and he'll say, "Well, what what led you away, or you know, what are you practicing now, or where do you go now?" and and have a dialogue. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, yeah, every time. Yeah. Um, the, it's interesting cause what, like while you were talking, I was wondering, like even in the midst of all this COVID stuff, cause you know, people are dealing with a lot of negative affect or whatever, like a negative emotion, like, like around all this. And I, like, we've had this thought, or at least I have that, um, the church is going to come out smaller, you know, after this. And maybe that's still true regardless, you know, is all the people that were going just out of habit that once that habit's broken, then they're not coming back. Um, but there also are people out there and maybe even those very same people who have like are lonely or sad or are looking for something consistent or constant or whatever in their life again. Um, they're going to think about the church. They're going to think about that, you know, and so that's something for us as ministry leaders to be mindful of is the people that are coming back, like kind of maybe potentially think about the state that they may be in which is, I mean, maybe it's just obvious, but I don't know the, like, what are we doing, you know, to, I don't want to say capitalize on the, the nostalgia, but like, we may have people that have been away from the church for a very long time who are coming back because of how last year felt. And, and what do our, what do our churches look like? What do our spaces look like? What do our, what do our ministries look like? And are they welcoming to someone who hasn't been back in forever? Like, um, yeah, what are we doing to to reach that group of people that, that may be coming back? Right, and how are we listening, right? Because a lot of people, in regards to nostalgia, they want to tell their story. 
right? So so you you tell your story about micro machines, and immediately I'm like, if it doesn't say micro machines, it's not the real thing. Like I'm telling about my experience with your experience. Like there's a connection there, and so how can we listen as we uh, as we tap into that reality of like someone who's been away for a while? Oh, when was the last time you went? Okay, and and what's been going on since then? And just listen and love people where they're at, you know, or what brought you back, you know? Well, I just I just miss this or I miss that, and and it's even. Even as I go into church now, our parish and uh, in, in some parishes in our diocese haven't put the holy water back, right? And I still dip my hand into the empty spot and I, I look and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, like I forget because it's just such a habit. Um, but there's people who haven't been around for years that like that holy water is kind of like a comforting reality of like, I remember these thoughts. I remember doing the sign of the cross. I remember these things. And so we, we have to recognize that our past informs our future. And in the present, we can look back to step forward. And as ministry leaders, how do we help people in regards to their looking back, the nostalgia aspect? And then the next piece is how do we minister to them in regards to that next step forward? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Okay, guys, we want to let you know on uh, something that we're working on and ask for your prayers. We're shifting gears pretty hard here, but uh, but we have that YouTube channel. And uh, we sat there, we prayed about it, and we thought about it, and... Uh, Put in full episodes just does not make sense. It doesn't make sense for people to listen to a podcast on uh, on YouTube when they can listen to it and, and when they're driving and different pieces like that. So two talking heads doesn't make sense. But what we are going to be looking forward to doing is creating like a highlight reel, you know, some of the outtakes, some of the different pieces there. Um, and so we just ask for your prayers and know that that change is coming down. It's a transition that we're going to make sometime uh, over the course of the summer. Um, but for those of you, we, we keep pushing, go to YouTube, go to YouTube, go to YouTube. I'm going to let you know, like if you go, don't expect a 30 minute video. Think about like a, a eight to 10 minute clips of the best moments of the show of, uh, of the times where I gave Matt a hard time back and we cut it out because I'm better at it than he is, and uh, and but I'm also not as charitable. Yeah, and, and Matt, so, Matt left in tears, um, and so we had to cut that out because that Chris was is twice. so much better. That was, only, that was only those two times, okay? <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, so I just want to let you know there are some changes coming to that YouTube aspect, and the reason is is we want to increase the 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 platform so that more people can be drawn into these conversations that we're having. And so, as we continue on, we want to ask you for your feedback. You can email us at mla at ablaze.us and, uh, and give us any feedback, any thoughts. Hey, have you tried this? What about these type of things? This would be fun to do at the end of the episode, mid-episode, whatever it is. We want to be able to do it so that you can have some more shareable content to add value to those around you or on your social media platforms to uh, to draw people into the value that is Ministry Leaders Anonymous. And if you guys have any suggestions with regards we to how we transition this to YouTube, what we should be doing on YouTube, and even if you say, hey, I want you still to upload the full episode to YouTube, but keep doing like do the do the shorter version as well. But keep uploading it. Just let us know that we need to know what what you guys want and what yeah what we're doing, what we need to be doing with this YouTube channel. This ministry, this project, really started as a roundtable mentality, and uh, we want to keep it that way. So please let us know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and then again, tell someone about your favorite toy and your favorite memory of God as a child and how you've grown since then. Like in regards to back to the episode content, like nostalgia is a powerful thing. Embrace it and share it with someone because it's actually a lot of fun. That that question at the beginning, what was your favorite toy as a child, is just such a fun one to get get a snapshot into their world. So here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and to reflect on your own journey for nostalgia's sake. 
We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.